Right, fellas, listen up. <laughs> I need to do it again now, boys. <laughs> fellas! And we're back again for another episode of the Not So Old Boys podcast. And this week we're going to talk about anxiety and depression. I'm pleased to welcome back the original five from the first episode. So to my left, I'm going to introduce to Adam Benwell. Hey guys, good to be back. And Lloyd Reese. All right, hi guys, glad to be back. And Rob Benson. Hello everyone, looking forward to it again. And back by popular demand, Stephen Pierce. Yeah, hi guys, thanks for that. And as always, I'm Chesney Jennings. This week we're going to talk about obviously anxiety and depression and I want to know what are the most common misconceptions about anxiety and depression in men? That's a good question. Misconceptions. <clears throat> Probably that men originally didn't get it. Probably that originally lots of people said that men didn't suffer from mental health illnesses which would include obviously anxiety and depression. I think for a long time it was seen as like a feminine mental health illness to get but I don't know about anyone else's misconceptions i don't know if you call it feminine i think it's more a case of um you maybe be deemed weak if you spoke about mm-hmm. how you felt um which i think is still quite prominent now you know we, we might be able to talk about it but there's still definitely things we don't tell each other um things you want to keep to yourself because you don't want to be you know looked on a, a certain way by other people i think it's also about <clears throat> not wanting to get treated differently i think as well i think people might be more open about saying it but then worry that if they say they are x then their friends or family might then worry about them more and that might then make it worse. Do you think yeah. you're perceived differently when, you're, when you say that you suffer from anxiety? I think, I, think in, I think in the workplace, absolutely. I think there's yeah. definitely like, you have to declare it and stuff to your employer. Mm. But I, I think if, if one of my staff members said it to me, I'd then be thinking, oh, mm. I've got to be really careful and yeah, not overworking them. Or, it's absolutely, and, it's, and it's really hard to then manage and not feel like you're treating them differently. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a, a, you don't want to be... Like, I think it's in, a bit embarrassing to tell people that <laughs> it was the chair. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it can be seen as quite... A, a lot of men, I think, are probably quite embarrassed to tell other people because, again, they don't want to be seen as vulnerable. Um and again, like you said, I think if you were to mention it, quite a lot of men are quite proud in the sense that they don't want other people to be pitying them. It's just sort of like them times that you want to ask for help, uh, you don't know how it's mm. going to be I think reciprocated. This, yeah. Sorry. I think there's this perception that depression equals fragility. I don't think that's the case. Depression equals sadness. It equals a feeling of hopelessness. But it's not a fragility. People do incredible things whilst, you know, diagnosed with depression, whilst being treated for depression. It's not like, you know, there's one thing that's, you know, one thing is going to set them off at any time that you need to walk over road trails over people. And I think the fear of that, the fear of people seeing you that way, is what makes you not want to talk about it. I was actually going to say, I think uh, probably the biggest misconception is that it doesn't happen to many people. I think it's probably, it's very rife. It's just not as widely spoken about. Or diagnosed necessarily as well. Yeah. If you don't take yourself to a medical professional, mm. it's not on the record. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think when I was talking about misconceptions, it's a scale. It's not like you're depressed, therefore you are suicidal, therefore you are, you know, you're completely unable to, you know, there's a huge scale of what depression is. There are people who are suffering with sort of mind depression that does need treatment and that it's so important to get it treated at that stage and talk about it before it does because it will become mm-hmm. something that is you know can be more associated with suicidal ideation self-harm you know depression is a huge it's it's one umbrella term for a huge you know amount of conditions mm-hmm. um and i suppose i can say that for myself i have been diagnosed with it reluctantly i will say that story i insisted for years that you know i wasn't um but I never wanted to hurt myself. I've never had any inclination to hurt myself. I've never had any inclination to end my own life. So I thought I was fine. Like, I haven't got any of that stuff. The fact mm. that I struggled to get out of bed in the morning, struggled to, you know, do everyday things like return passes to Amazon, things that require even the slightest hint of effort, 
or filling in forms. That was the other thing. I just could not bring myself to fill in a form. So lazy. Do you think that's got anything to do with your uh, dyspraxia, though? In theory, oh, that's a difficult question because have you got dyspraxia? Yeah. Oh, I was really bad at football and sports in general. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. That makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. <laughs> you play rugby? I never saw him play rugby, so yeah, I can't. He I can't now because, as he told me the other day, his shoulders now fall out. I'm <laughs> that poorly coordinated. <laughs> Both shoulders. <laughs> my shoulders dislocate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My coordination is so poor that my shoulders cannot stay in this yeah. yeah. Can you tell us very quickly? Yes, mate. Some of the ways your shoulders have come out of their sockets. I mean, I've, what do you want to know? I think he's asking, has vigorous masturbation caused never, dislocation? Never, ever, ever. Okay. Because ha- using two hands is more stability, gives you more stability. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, sorry, back to Lloyd's depression. <laughs> but, yeah, do you think that your depression uh, could be linked towards your dyspraxia? Difficult, because we're all made up of so many, of so many different aspects of so many different elements is it has dyspraxia led to other issues that have then led to depression then possibly self-esteem issues for example my dyspraxia is what led to me being very frustrated as a child being very angry as a child my parents had a book i still remember to this day called the explosive child because they couldn't figure out how to manage my frustrations because i was furious i couldn't keep up in school because i've written seven words a minute that's how slowly I write because of my dyspraxia. So that led to me going to a private school, um, which then led to me being bullied, which then led to self-esteem issues, which perhaps did lead to depression. I don't know. It's really difficult to reflect on something when you're in the currently mm. in the effect. Oh, you know, it's like having a conversation with an addict and asking <clears throat> them about their addiction. Mm. They can speak with you. Know, you see these you know recovering addicts, and they can speak with such clarity and such honesty about you know, why they did things. But when they're in the throes of it, it's very difficult yeah. to be able to reflect on something. Mm. You know, to reflect is to look back. Yeah. And I'm not looking back. I'm still having to have treatment for this and still having to take my bloody medicine every day. When did mm. you start getting treatment from? So I started, well, it depends what you mean by treatment, like medicinal treatment. Whatever treatment you want to go with. Um, so I don't was, know what treatment you're having. It was self-esteem issues, really. I was talking, chatting to my dad. I was just saying, and uh, they've always them. My parents know me pretty well. I've never been a particularly confident person. And this is on the football pitch. You can see that mm. because I don't want to mess up. I mm. grew into it. That's a bit like Rob going for the headers. Well, no, as we established, that's, that's a, a ground for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a skill issue. Yeah, that's, that's skill issue. Don't, don't bring me. Um, but it's that fear, isn't it? It's, you know, no, I think it is a confidence thing because mm. there's people watching and you feel like you're on display and. I, I, you know, I, like, like, shout for the ball. Yeah, but I don't want it. So yeah. why would I shout not, for it? Not wanting to mess up, though, is like, I think that's just a fairly human nature. Yeah, but it's not, not, to do that. not wanting to mess up. It's the f- fear and that I will mess up. You don't even put yourself in yeah. a position to mess up. I don't to want to even up. put myself in a position to mess up because it's that. that belief. That's what I should say, sorry. It's not, it's the belief that I will mess up. Mm, or a lack, of, or a lack of belief that you will be able to. Yeah, and then there's there's hope, and like every ball I kick, is a bit of hope, and then like I hope it's going to go that yeah. way. And there've been times where they said, "Oh, good pass, slide." I didn't have the heart yeah. to tell I've, them it was a really heavy touch. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard you delivered the De Bruyne esque cross at the back post on Saturday. We're coming to that. That's that's later. That's going to be a whole topic on that cross. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> like, uh, um, excuse my ignorance if this is. Do you think you can be depressed for a while without, like, say you go for a breakup? Yeah. Do you think you can be I'm, depressed for a while I'll and then, yeah, and I'll then answer come this. out of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll without without seeking yeah, of any sort can. of. Yeah, so I, I, um, before I started working at the school I'm at now, I was working at another school, secondary school in Southwark, well known, not well run. And I went for a period where I thought, I wasn't really enjoying working there, but that wasn't, that was fine. That was, I, I identified that I wasn't enjoying it there. And I wanted to look for opportunities elsewhere, promotions, all natural part of teaching and changing careers, nothing untoward. And then I went through a period where I tried to get other jobs. And then one of the times the head teacher refused my reference without telling me why, and then uh, cancelled my leave of absence request to go to an interview at another school 
on the morning of the interview um, and basically just fucked me around for a month or two to make it really difficult for me to leave. So I then eventually applied for the job that I've got now and it was all very quickly done um, and I managed to get the job and since working at the school now I've really, really enjoyed it and I've been really happy. But there was a period from sort of May-ish till the July of that summer and probably even longer where because of the way the school had treated me I was finding it really really difficult to even like you say get up and go to work and that's not really me like I do just get up and go to work and it's just even if you're tired you just carry on going and carry on going and uh, it got to a day where they were going to call me in for a probation review meeting to consider my job at the school even though I've been working there for nearly two years right well past the probationary period and they were going to try and make up some bollocks about how they had extended it but they hadn't told me and all these stress and pressures that they were going to try and find some way to fuck me over so that sort of initial overwhelming sort of fear anxiety panic on the day of being at work I was like I just I need to go home and not think about this for a minute initially I thought I'll try and play the game a little bit and I'll call the doctor and I'll just say some stuff and they'll sign me off for a period of time and that'll be my two things up to the school. Yeah, fuck you. I'm going to take some time off. So I called up the doctor and sort of described how I was feeling. And at the time, I, I thought I was milking it a little bit and putting it on to try and make sure they definitely sign me off, um, which they then did for two weeks. And then that the two weeks went by and I barely left the flat, barely got out of bed, just was just empty for like two weeks. Was there any part of that? When you used to not like have a day off of school or something like that, and you wouldn't want to go to the shops because, like, in the evening because you thought people might see. Yeah, you no. Out so, so it wasn't that at all. Like, I'm, you know, if you're talking in the middle of summer, it was like thirty something degrees. You don't be sat in a stuffy room. Like, I'd happily walk down to Beckenham and get a coffee. Nobody's gonna see me at eleven a.m. But I just didn't have the enthusiasm to do anything. Like, I didn't really watch TV. I just laid around a lot and then would come in and talk to Martin for ten minutes and go back in again. And then it got to the end of the two-week period uh, and I got signed off again for another two weeks and then another two weeks. And the whole time in my head, I was telling myself, oh, this is me getting back at the school. But I just, I was, I was doing nothing. Like I wasn't doing any f- football because it was the end of the football season that had come and finished. I wasn't really, I didn't make the use of the time. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't really like Did you feel guilty outdoors. about sort of um, sitting there and not doing, doing anything? No, I just, I just felt... Like nothing. Like I didn't even go out on a Friday night and have a few beers with friends and stuff. Like to try and cheer myself up. I just did nothing for like four or five weeks, and it went on and on and on. Time was just passing. And it, passing. it literally was just passing by. And then it got to um, like this this deadline, this date that they had set, where they were going to then terminate my contract at my current school before the summer had finished, even though I was entitled to be employed and be paid over the summer holidays. They were going to try and find a way to do that. And then I had to have a probation. I had to have this review meeting, having now been employed at the school for like twenty months, and I sat there. In the on the table, having an online meeting with them, with like my senior manager and the head of the school and the executive head and the HR lady, and they sat there and they tried to make up all this shit about all these things I had apparently done, all these concepts apparently had, which just weren't true and hadn't happened. Mm. Um, and then basically established that they were going to fire me as of the beginning of August, so without pay for a whole of the summer. Martin was obviously like, we used to joke a little bit and be like, oh, how you feeling? I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit sad today. And he'd be like, oh, okay. But actually, when I then went back to work and continued a normal life that wasn't sitting indoors for three months straight, I was like, wow, that actually wasn't... Like, I wasn't putting it on. I barely spoke to anyone. Mm-hmm. I didn't call anyone, didn't text anyone. Didn't really play any Xbox. Just two to three months of my life just happened without yeah. me even noticing they'd happened. And you look back and I thought, well, shit, clearly I actually was feeling pretty fucked up. Did you um, need that time or do you wish maybe at that like maybe someone had reached out and said, Maybe you need to actually see someone? Maybe. I mean yeah, yeah. two, three months sitting on your own with little just, to no contact is... Yeah, it was just life just sort of happened. And mm-hmm. I and I like it was only sort of towards the end of the summer when I was in like I think we went on holiday to Croatia and that was like, Oh, this is fun again. Yeah, enjoying your life is all about, yeah. you know, seeing your friends and stuff and then getting outdoors and then it sort of all it was weird, it was like you know, rush of emotion came back. I was like, Oh, got to feel right now and it was it was really weird it was 
Yeah, I can't. I can't explain to anyone no, who hasn't been through it. And you're you're sense. nodding exactly yeah, like because yeah, yeah. you, you've been through it. But that's why you question that right now. Feel yeah, yeah right, right. So there's a word in Welsh which is hoil, which doesn't really literally translate into English. It means if you translate it, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means fun. But you use it. The hoil inside you. The, the oomph is the nearest that joie de that up and go that joie de vie. Mm. and that's just what you just don't have. Mm. Like, well, I didn't anyway. Just I just don't. Or don't. And it means that how it manifests itself with me is I don't want to do anything new. So I will watch the same TV shows I've seen before. Mm -hmm. I will play the same games I've played before. When I go on holiday, I'm miserable for the first like couple of days because it's new and it's yeah. and everything. Finding the toilet takes effort, you know, if you're in sort of, like for knowing what's, which door to exit from. It's that, it's just that fear of putting, not fear, phobia. Anxiety. Effort, yeah, anxiety is provoked by something new, mm. which is devastating because my job is a huge factor of why I feel this way. But the thought of something so new, doing all those forms, is just. Just you were saying about your story about you could 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 it be could you snap out of depression? And for me, when I was twenty one, the worst. Well, when I at that time, the worst things in the world happened to me all in one go. So I was, I'd moved to a new city. So I'd moved to Birmingham. Um, oh, yeah. with, with Ugh, that, would, that would do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Um, <laughs> my long-term girlfriend at the time, so after we'd been, had stayed in Wales, um, and I was working as an electrician there. And the day she broke up with me was the day my van got robbed uh, from all my tools. The same day, and that was the same day as my engine on my van blew up and that all happened in one go wait your van got robbed and then the engine, and then, yeah, the and then i was trying the and then day. i decided to leave birmingham to go to my auntie's in somerset because i needed to be with someone that was wasn't close to me but was also close to me if that makes close sense enough. and uh, as i was driving down the m5 my van just blew up uh, the engine just went so the contents of your van got robbed? Yes. I was thoroughly confused. No, no. The, oh, <laughs> oh, he, he thought, thought the, the engine got, got robbed. So he thought the van got robbed. <laughs> I thought the van got robbed. And, and then he chose like, to oh, right. down the road. And, and, and then the engine blew up. I was like, good. So I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He thought he robbed his own van. <laughs> that would have been good insurance, Slim. Um, but no, all my tools went, so my livelihood was gone. Are you an electrician? I'm a qualified electrician, yeah. Why the fuck have we not known this? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. No, no, okay. Not, in, in words. Not, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. He screwed a few light bulbs in. So, <laughs> from my understanding, and this is not me being trying to be funny, he made the tea. <laughs> I did a three-year apprenticeship in tea, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I am a qualified electrician. Um, and now he fun. sells spunk cups. Yep. <laughs> Great job. <Don't> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> um, but no, and seriously, I went down to my aunt, and then she picked me up, because the car went for scrap. I ha I lost my job, so I couldn't even like do work anywhere else because I had no tools. Um, my girlfriend, obviously, at the time had left me, so that was, was a big. Was this the girlfriend that you met that you told about in the story before when you were on night out? Yes. Ah, full circle. You see, I remember yeah. these things. Um, and then I think I stayed in Somerset for about three or four months, and. As you were saying, Rob, I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm. I didn't do anything. And luckily, my my auntie had a dog. And that became, like, my... It's not sympathy dog, but what are they called? Therapy dog. Therapy mm. dog, that's yeah, it. And powerful. where that dog just did everything with me. Um, I didn't want to be talked to anyone. I didn't want to do anything. didn't want to make friends. I just didn't want to see anyone. And then all of a sudden... I don't know, it just... Something clicked, and then all of a sudden, it was gone. Mm. I did. I was like, oh, I can get out of bed. And then I would go running or whatever like that. But it just went away. Yeah. It did take a long time, but it did just go away. And I don't know if that was because of the heartbreak with, uh, and then um, the anger of somebody stealing my livelihood. Then the anger of then my car blowing or my van blowing up, and then. I don't know if that all just came together, but mm. I just, I got over it. I thought, oh, it's gone. And then about 
I came back to a home to Wales and uh, about six months later, it hit me all over again that I've got to start again. I had to buy all my tools again. Mm. I had to go through that. Even though it wasn't my fault, I had to go through that whole thing of the insurance claim. Yeah, I had to prove that I bought... killer, isn't it? Yeah. I had to prove that I owned my tools. Yeah. I had to prove that they were used. I had to prove that they were stolen. So what was I supposed to do? Take a picture of an empty van. My tools are there, now they're gone. Yeah. Mm. So that, that was... That in itself... Had, I had so much anxiety of just filling out, as you said, those forms yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to prove that I was... I know, and it's, the, it's, that, it's that feeling of like you're not a bad person, you're not making this up and someone's almost like not believing you and they're distrusting you're saying these yeah. things and, and you have to go through the whole process of it and then at the end you end up being the one that gets punished anyway because I don't know about you but when my car got stolen I my insurance went up and yeah. like, and, and, it, and it got stolen at the beginning of like the, like the car price like, uh, price rise during Covid oh yeah so it got nicked and then I had to buy a new car but the car that I had to buy had gone up in price yeah. Like just in the time that my car being stolen, yeah. cars were going up like hundreds of pounds a week. So I couldn't get the car that I had before because the car that I had before was now worth five grand more than it got paid out on insurance. And prices were just going up and up and up and up. Um, and you end up with that long term cost of now my insurance, even two and a half years on, I still have to pay an extra like five hundred pound a year because somebody stole my car, which was parked outside my house. Tash got run over last year. Yeah. And really? They didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. Outside the house. Yeah. Okay. Just... Gave the license plate number and the colour of the they car. They and... stopped, made sure they hadn't killed her, and then drove away. Oh, she. Oh. I don't think she had the. Well, okay, we'll get a bit of a plate. But she gave yeah. you know this area, this time, like, this, coloured these, car, these, these the witnesses. Yeah. I remember I had to go to the hospital and pick her up. Yeah. Yeah. I knew she was all right because I obviously found out about this, and Chaz, good man that he is, went to grab her, and not off the street. <laughs> yeah. Is that your mind now? Um, <laughs> in my van with the blue and a free woman. <laughs> yeah. uh, free woman. <laughs> oh my god! Cut that. That's that's the day he gifted her to me. Um, and I knew she was okay because I was I was beside myself. I was in my uniform, running to try and get to the other hospital because obviously she'd gone to the Prue. I was working at King's, and. The quickest way there was a bus. I couldn't get an Uber, so I jumped on the bus. Uh, and I was on my way, and then I was outside this bus stop. I don't know. You no. guys will know which Domino's it is better than I do. But, uh, and I rang her, and I, she, she rung me, and she said, look, I'm okay. We're coming out. We've been discharged. Chez is going to drop me home. I was like, okay, look, I'm getting off the bus. Can you meet me outside this I Domino's? I do know the Domino's, yeah. So outside the bus stop, Domino's. Yes, so I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. So I was like, right, I'm going to wait outside this Domino's. So I got off, a little bit eased anxiety. I got a phone call back from her about two minutes later. I was like, hello? Hi, yeah. Can you get me a large margarita with uh, <laughs> sweet chili peppers and pineapple? And that's as oh, I was like, that's absolutely what she orders. I'm now sweet. depressed at the thing. Oh, you know? sweet chili peppers and pineapple, pineapple on a thin and crispy base. Oh, I've got anxiety. Just that that is tap. Yeah, that's horrendous. Think how I feel. Ugh. I, have to, I have to live with that. Wait, what is it? Rikito sweet chili peppers and pineapple on like a tomato, cheese, tomato base. If you're a subscriber and you like Hawaiian pizzas, unsubscribe. We don't have any. Unless you'd like to sponsor us. <laughs> With a pineapple uh, pizza. <laughs> we also can't, uh, can't afford you to not be uh, following <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, please don't unfollow us. Yeah. Please disregard We've us. just paid lots of money for some new microphones. So, Do you think that depression is too easily diagnosed? Mm. No. no. I, think I think it's too easily self-diagnosed. Yes. Actual diagnosis is very point. different. I think mean, there's a lot of people that'll be like, oh, oh, I'm depressed because my ASOS order didn't turn up in time. And it's like, you're not. But, but, but people band around words like that all the time. But that's not a diagnosis. That's just, it's, it's taking yeah. lightly a, a medical issue. And from my point, as I say, my diagnosis came very reluctantly. I didn't want to say it because of the connotations attached with being depressed. And Tash used to say, Lloyd, you are depressed. No, I'm not. I'm just sad. That was always my response. I'm just a bit sad. I'm just a bit tired. Yeah. And it came about when I was chatting, when I said self-esteem has always been an issue. And I think what you were saying you know, earlier about can it be a reaction to an external thing in our environment? And yes, you remove that external thing in the environment, you know, the bad job, the, mm. you, know, you remove that thing that is causing you depression, perhaps you've got a quick fix. But when it's internal, when the reason for my depression is me, yeah. I can't, I remove can't remove myself. Well, yeah, biologically, it's a, it's a, 
imbalance of chemicals um, in the brain, isn't it? And exactly. once it sort of starts happening, it's very hard to un... And I can only speak for myself. I do believe that chemical imbalance is there, but I think it must be. I do believe it is that chemical imbalance has come about from things that are inherently me. So the low self-esteem, which has been an issue since before I can even imagine, like the inability, complete fear of confrontation, which leads to me getting put into situations like I really don't want to be in. Like Going to the cinema, Steve, Bema, when you don't want to. Do you think that anxiety and depression manifest themselves differently in men compared to women? No. Probably no. not, no. No, I think, the, no. I think what we've found out from most of the stories here that it comes from, a lot of them come from work and being unhappy in certain aspects. And work is most of our lives, right? And mm. like, we all talk about how we don't like our jobs and they can get you down. And money. Well, work goes but hand yeah, in hand with money and it, it yeah. takes away your time from your social aspects, yeah. it takes away from your family and friends. And when that gets worse and worse and worse, like Rob, when you said when you had all that time off, mm. you didn't really know what to do with it anymore. I guess you'd almost... In, in my head, when you told that story, I felt like you'd gone so far down the road, you'd lost everything that you were before work because work became your everything. Mm. And then when you didn't have the work, you were like, well, what am I now? That's sort of the way Pretty I much. read what yeah, you had yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And then Chesney, you said about you, you lost your tools and you were like, well, I couldn't even go back to work. I couldn't make money. Because then, like Adam said, money can then help you get out of these situations. If you had the money, you can, you can go away, you can go traveling. The only so. sort of difference is Lloyd has said it's, it's, it's not work, it's, it's internal as well. Do you know the movie Inside Out? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emotions, emotions and brains, and then you have sadness. Who in do you there. who do you um, see yourself like? Who do you resemble the most? Anger. Yeah, I'm anger as well. Uh, but as you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm more like I'm, I'm not sadness. I'm between sadness and anger. I just don't care. I am the girl playing ice hockey. It's all fun, and then the ice hockey is all sad. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be one of the people inside. Nah, the brain. I'm all of them. <laughs> well, I guess you literally are. Yeah, but I can't wait to go to the inside out. To I be fucking that was a great in the new one they've got all the new ones in there as well I think depression is actually in the new anxiety one anxiety is in it yeah that's it An yeah is she called anxious or is she called ang anxiety is she called anxiety the blue one the that's sadness. Who's, that's sadness she's touching all the balls yeah that, <laughs> hey where's where she in my life so there's, so there's joy <laughs> she's she was green a, she was a bitch. then you've got yeah. anger that's red you've yeah. got sadness that's blue and then there's I'm sure there's purple two. there's disgust green disgust joy yellow sadness blue anger fear. red Ah, uh, fear. Fear. And anger. Yeah. No, I don't really fear. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not being scared is half a battle, isn't it? Yeah. No, what fear. are you afraid of? Uh, do you really want to know? Yeah. Um, this is so self-centred. I... Not pleasuring a woman enough. Fear. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> I like the word enough. I'm going to circle back and then... Lloyd, I don't know if you want to discuss it or not, but how were you actually diagnosed with depression? So it happened a couple of years ago, but it's probably ongoing far longer than that. As I said, Tash, my girlfriend, tell, told me for ages, and she's, she's sort of had some people close to her who have been diagnosed in her life, and she would insist, Lloyd, I think you're depressed. Lloyd, I think you're depressed. No, I'm not. I'm just sad. I'm just, can't, I'm just tired. I'm uh, just, you know, I just can't bother. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not depressed. I didn't want that stigma of depression and I continued to fight it right until I couldn't anymore, really. So I was chatting to my dad, I can't remember what I was chatting to my dad about, but it was coming back to this issues of self-esteem and it's always been an issue since, you know, since I was a kid, probably since the bullying, really. And he asked me to speak to this therapist and my dad's a GP in Wales, the therapist he knew. He said, I'll pay for you to, to speak to this person. And I genuinely, and this is not me being funny, I genuinely thought I was going to pay someone £65 an hour to say really nice things to me. And she was brutal. Like, she was absolutely Did you get to lay on one of those, like, brutal. No, it was gone. virtual. Oh, it was virtual. Even worse. Um, like, She's just like, so why do you do that? You realise you're just hurting yourself to it. I was like, this, is, this isn't nice. You meant to feel good after, but no, it was, it was pretty hard going. And she used to send me these score, like these sheets, that you'd circle you know it's like on a scale of one to ten mm. you know how how does this feel how much energy do you have and i answered it completely honestly honestly and then next session comes up and she's like you know your scores are like off the scale for depression i was like yeah and she's no no it really is and i have to insist you go to your gp so it was only when she presented me with those numbers of that actual science that I was like, okay, I can't really deny that now then, can I? Because I answered those questions as honestly as I could. And if anything, I thought I'd answered them a little bit 
because I didn't want the diagnosis of depression. I genuinely thought, yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So what probably was a seven, I would circle as a six or a five. Um, And it was at that point I was just like, oh, shit, okay, maybe I have. And so I went to the GP and explained the symptoms. And then they go, yeah, you've, you've got depression. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm starting to accept that. And started me on some medication. It was awful for like mm. a week. Mm. Oh, jeez. The anxiety, the shakes for a week. Because you're messing with your, basically, it's called citalopram. And you're messing with your, what's the word, uh, endorphins. Mm. Okay. It's just completely fiddling with them. Serotonin. So I was like, serotonin. Yeah, mm. I was the one. Uh, not endorphins. Endorphins is a correct term for them, yeah. Um, and I was up, I was about, I remember sleepwalking. I just, like, my head was all over the place and I nearly gave up and I persisted. And it was all right. I ended up having to double the dose following a review six weeks later. And I fell into that trap again of thinking, oh, I'm fine. Because it's weird. They don't make you feel good. They make you feel less shit. So I just thought, these aren't doing anything for me. I still feel crap. Mm. I, you know, I Not, st- Lots of people do it. I say, that, don't uh, they? I say like they feel, they think they're going to suddenly feel like it's all rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, exactly. And then I a- thought, actually they just I, don't. So then they want to come off them. Then they come off them, they get worse. And then it... I genuinely thought mm. it was going to be like a life hack. Mm. Like I am now going to be an efficient machine. I'm going to get everything. I'm going to go to the gym every morning. You know, I've got the mm. serotonin. I can, you know, like it's like it was a superpower. And it's not. It's just, it just takes that edge off. So I stopped taking them. And then I realised I really shouldn't have stopped taking them. Mm. And even now, it's not easy to keep going. I, I'm not good at doing... Say I don't have that oomph. I'm not good at making positive decisions, positive changes for myself. So I don't, I don't really reorder my prescription. Tash sets an alarm for it, and then she tells me to reorder it. I'm really surprised that's a sign of depression. That's just for me. I mean, maybe... Yeah. Because, well, obviously, I don't really know much about it, but, like, I guess with me, like, I, I don't want to get up and generally don't want to get up and go to, like... If it's something I don't want to do, like, I don't want to get up and go to work, I don't want to get up and go to the gym, but, like, if someone said, oh, like, we're going on holiday, I'm going to get up and go to it. Mm. But so, you do get up and go to the work. Yeah. So I guess maybe that is that's, what the difference, the difference is. Yeah. So for, is... You, it's, for you, it's constant. It's everything <laughs> in life. Whereas yeah, for me, so... it's just... I. Really and and I think it's, it's very fair and human. Lots of us are going to have days when we don't want to get up and go to work because mm. we're a bit tired and we're a bit overworked and we're a bit overwhelmed. That's, that's part of human mm. everyday life. And, and when we talk about anxiety, a little bit of anxiety is good. Like humans perform best when they are slightly anxious and they are slightly stressed. But it becomes a point where it becomes too much. Lots of people will have those feelings. It's just about you will still overcome them. Or you might have one morning where you're a bit late getting to work and stuff and then that's it for the week or the week, you know, the fortnight or the month. Whereas other people just don't, they can't talk themselves into that situation of mm, actually yeah. doing it. And Do you think that's reason want to say I'm depressed to someone because then it feels like yeah. you're a burden But that's, that's what that I said at the person. beginning, isn't it? Is, is when people then say that to people, everyone feels like they then have to do something about it. Yeah. Because if you said, oh, I've got, uh, cold, somebody be like, oh, do you want some cold and fruit tabs or can I get some chicken soup? Because that's what human nature is, we're nice people. So the moment you say to somebody, I've got X, they're going to say, well, can I help you? But you don't want that necessarily. Yeah. So I think that's definitely, that's definitely a thing, yeah. So are there any unique uh, challenges that men face when dealing with anxiety and depression? Can I ask one question, just quickly, something that just reminded me, I'd asked the group because it's something I wasn't aware of. And... Has anybody ever had what's called intrusive thoughts where you're in that sort of position where you feel you know, your lowest, you're really not good, you're usually alone, and you just get, not, not an urge, but the thought of doing something like that would harm yourself. Like at the edge of a train track. Exactly that one. I, that I, is I the have classic. that quite a lot. I'm like, so the only reason I bring it up is because, I want people to know, and if anyone's listening, it is incredibly common, it is incredibly normal, and there's nothing wrong with you. But it is a very, very common thing for those intrusive, those sort of negative thoughts to penetrate you sometimes. Mm. When the train is the classic one, you just see it coming in, and you just, you just sort of feel, 
Like a jump, rather. Mm. You don't. You have no urge to. You're not going to. You know you're not going to. But that thought is there. And that used to terrify me. Absolutely terrify mm. me. And it was only when I spoke, speaking to someone about it, they went, yeah, that's incredibly common. I was like, oh. And that immediately made me feel better. I think so, my, like, fear of being dead stops that happening like it's a bit, of a, a bit of an eternal battle no, no don't do it you'll miss out no do it you, you'll enjoy it no don't do it you won't you'll miss you out enjoy it you'll enjoy it so you've never thought about a way that you would kill yourself no like, no like, when you were going for a I think like you know what if I did X or what if I did Y but it's never no it's like, never harming never harming the, the body it might be do you ever play it through though like for me it's like if I was to play it like with the train one for example but that's like just to stand while I'm just standing there I'm not going to it would be when a freight train comes because they're going faster at night oh, so they don't no, see the stress it. on the driver. Well, no, but then it'd be dark. But that, then, then I start thinking, oh, well, what, how would he feel? So I, I would never do it because I'd play it through in my head and there's too many factors that would prevent me from actually going through with it. Mm, so I, I have thought guess... about, like, the, you think, oh, maybe I'll drown myself and I'll tie a uh, rock. But then it's like, well. oh, but it's two minutes of... Ag- you want no. it to be quick and sweet. So there's never a record, for, for me, a never a good answer. For me, no, it's, it's almost like an instinct. It's not something I think about. It's not. It's not... An active thought. Yeah, it's not as it's it's just a suddenly it's there and then it's gone. It's it's, it's probably one of the hardest things for you to ever grasp about somebody else, isn't it? It's like I I could never understand the need for somebody to do it. I can't imagine myself in a position. We go back to men should be strong, uh, resolute. They you shouldn't be the main income earner. Yeah, kind provider. Of, yeah, yeah, provider. The alpha, yeah, well, the and with the recession, with COVID, with people having left, lost their jobs, I do believe that when that breadwinner role is taken away from men or from people, it significantly affects men but, more because of the pressures of society that, you know, you're not, you're not providing for your family. So it actually was, you say, but it does, mm. doesn't actually surprise me. So you know, it's uh, the young men no. with young families that are subject to it. So uh, three in one suicide, uh, sorry. Every three suicides to, I can't get the ratio right. One in three suicides. No, no. So every, so three in four suicides, uh, between the ages of twenty-eight to forty-five are men. There you go. See, I didn't know that statistic, but that's that's what's like. when you hear those numbers. It just seventy-five percent. Seventy-five percent of suicides are men aged between twenty-eight and forty-five. Yeah. So those those that have reached a point in their probably those that have reached a point in their career where they're going okay, but then it comes to the actual pressure of being in that role. Those that are in the position where they have probably young families and are the provider or one of the providers in a position. We've been a bit too niche. It, it can be so many different factors, and it, yeah. it's not just about not being able to no, provide. No, there must, it there must be, be something that makes it Yes, but we can't we can't hypothesize forever about all no, the different can't. ways that it could be. I mean, it's just we know that we need to talk about things a lot more open, and, and men are worse at talking about, it, and that is probably where the, the statistic comes from, where it is worse for mm. men because we don't open up enough. We don't seek help. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I'll but, tell you one thing I think that's quite difficult is you're very much sort of thought, oh yeah, I'll get to this point, you'll get to this point, I'll buy a house, I'll meet the milestones, I'll have, um, uh, yeah. I'll have uh, a child, like I'll be at a certain point in my working life and then it gets to a point where you're there and you're like this should feel better and i don't know i have that now why. actually i think i like, have that now a little bit it's a bit i don't know i've reached these milestones now what else is there yeah what's there the next should, goal should be something should else feel and fulfilled. I think, yeah. yeah and i think that lack of fulfillment can be quite harmful yeah it yeah. is because I, th- um, I think i have a little bit of that now where from an outside looking in you're like yeah i own I own, not rent, I own a property. I have a really secure job. I have a, a, you know, a nice car, loads of friends. Then you you're BMW, like, you've still got the BMW, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't remind me how the nice one got stolen. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of lighten the mood slightly. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love the BMW. It's, yeah, really, really, it's still a sick car and it's still really fast. I only took it in my Yaris once. Yeah, I was, I was reversing, he was going forwards. No, um, you, you weren't even there, you weren't even in the car. Oh, it was, it, was it was a stolen one. It was a stolen one. It was your old one, yeah. Yeah, it was actually by my house. Mm. Um, Lloyd saw him drive yeah. off and he was like, yeah, I can recommend it. Weird though, because it was full of these old tools. <laughs> so weird. That's not a very nice name for him. <laughs> um, but no, I definitely think there is, a, there is a thing, like, is it called fallacy something? Prophetic fallacy. 
Phallic. No. Self-fulfilling prophecy. No, that's not there is, there is a term for it. Like when like you have a goal Phallic. and then you get there. It's like Olympians <laughs> get it, right? Where their whole life they've been training for getting a gold medal. They get the gold medal and they're like, oh, what's next? Yeah. What do I do now? Like, I've spent my last 20 years doing this and things. And, and it, it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, you build thing. it up in your head. But yeah, you do. And, 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 and I think that's probably that thing is, I'm going to build it, I'm going to get there. And then you're like, like what, mm. what do I do next? Like, can I just say, I think Rob made a really good point there. Are we going to be able to cut out Stephen Pierce saying phallic? Just nope. in the middle of it? Or is that just going to remain? No, nope, it stays right, because fine. if you notice in the pod, Stephen always says something really weird. Like a little weird comment. And, and then it's breath. really it's really quiet, but some I people, always pick it yeah. up. <laughs> Anyone out there with a good set of headphones is going to know Stephen Pierce. So I've got a question for you, Rob. Mm-hmm. Going back to what I was saying earlier about self esteem and Chez brought up my dyspraxia and my mm-hmm. parents sought help for me that was awful I, I'm thought I'm like 34 now so I was 16 at the time doing my GCSEs and there's a sign I want to know what you do now in mm-hmm. school for people who have extra time mm-hmm. in exams laugh at them okay no sorry I don't laugh at them I don't that's really that's really bad all the other people laugh at them all the other people no, no, I, was, no, I, was, <laughs> I was fucking jealous man I'm yeah. sitting there it's half an hour uh, I want an extra mate, half an imagine hour imagine though this no, is what the see, board I disagree like when, yeah. when you're in an out. English exam for like I once asked if I could go half an hour earlier instead of half an hour later and they said no because they didn't trust me not to share the exam what the hell am I going to share I mean in an exam room on my own because what it used to say was just generally yeah, remember no, the, it the time and the next start time is, yeah. no it wasn't even I went to a small school oh, right. start two o'clock End four o'clock, Lloyd four thirty. Oh, it didn't. That's what it said on the board. <laughs> oh. And they put me at the back. That's like, fair enough. Well, yeah. That hair. It was worse back then, mate. <laughs> and they put me at the back, and I won't say the name. With those arms. But the... <laughs> when you're throwing your pen around, you're dyspraxic. Dyspraxic, not Parkinson's. So <laughs> <laughs> long you dribble loads. That's to get you a bib when you're doing your exam. Really? Lloyd's <laughs> dropped his pen, his arm's come out of his socket. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, someone put his shoulder back in again. So, Biggest pen up while you're there. Say, this is awful. Was, like, was, <laughs> side note, side note. But I was um, on you know, internet at work the other day and his advertising came up to come and see the uh, Parkinson's choir. I started chuckling to myself and just thought that's a lot of vibrato in that choir. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you feel less? As in, Not a feeling things. doesn't resonate the same that it used to. I'm I don't get society. that excited. No, I don't, I don't spike something. as high. So I definitely have a, a narrow range of like up and down. But I think that comes more with just being a bit older, I think. And like, I, I, I still really enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. Like when I went on holiday to Germany with Gare in October, that was amazing. I had the sickest time. It was so good from start to finish. But I don't get like, you don't get over the top excited anymore about anything. And but I also don't get over the top sad about anything. Like if, if shit things happen now, I'm just like, oh, like it's an inconvenience or it's like a huffy moment or I just feel like the, the balance is way more towards the middle than okay. against the kid. Like I'm not kicking the screen my head off at unnecessary things because I feel like I've been wronged or, okay. you know, not shouting my head off at things or. So I'd say that mine's, all, I've always been quite like, You've been fairly, I've you're fairly been stable in the middle, middle aren't I? I, I, very, quite, I very much was peak to peak. I'm quite Ooh. practical thinking, but it does make me sometimes think I should act and behave in a different way, especially like when Amy gets super excited about like our weekend away. Mm. She is like on top of the world. And then afterwards, she's like, said she was quite low. For me, the whole time I was like, this is nice, I was enjoying it. Mm. And then I went home and I was like, I'm home now and I've got work yeah. and I've got a busy week. Well, and I'm just, I'm always like that. But sometimes I feel like, Adam's like, do you have those? Even when I was younger, I never really had those high mm. highs and those low lows. I just, I'm very just. Always been fairly calm, and steady in the middle. Do you think it's quite boring though? That's what I'm saying. Do you think that's that's corny boring? Do you think that is a bit boring? Like, would you rather be more yo-yo? Not really, because I've seen how that. But then, like, there are times when everyone gets super excited about things, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I see everyone else what like that, and I can't. When you scored that, yeah, like out. I'm. People say I'm a bit of a Scrooge because Christmas, I, I just doesn't really. I, like festivities oh, yeah, and stuff. Well, I don't know about Christmases and stuff. I mean, you didn't we in the car, I think, we talked about our Christmas routines and things yeah, like, about how, it, how the sort of the upbeatness around. I enjoy like seeing my family and stuff, mm. but like it doesn't, I don't change. So it's like with like, I guess when I do have like times when I, oh, I'm a bit anxious, 
I, I'm very quick to be able to like in my head be like, I can I can get through this. Mm. I can very quickly stop that feeling. Mm. What like, makes you think that you could get through it? I just because I I can think my way through a problem. I think, and I, I think nothing really. I can't solve anything. As maybe well. like the fact no, you've maybe like, done through it before, or you've or you've felt that way before, and so you know how to maybe manage that. Emotion. No, okay, so one example, I was going in for one of my final exams um, and I hadn't slept. So I was anxious on the build-up and I hadn't slept and I went into the exam and I was on like two pints of Red Bull and I was literally shaking, I was jittery. I walked in, half an hour of writing and I walked out and I just went, oh, fuck it, I won't be, I won't be in engineering then. I'll just, I'll just change career. I literally then and there I'd been like, I don't care anymore. And then I got my result and I'd, I'd passed somehow, like 40%. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll carry on being an engineer then. Mental. I was very so quick so just to be like, so I can find something else. That's so, so like... See, I can't... I See, there's this thing, but I try and put myself in your positions, but if anything, it has more. I get more questions. I'm like, but why? Why couldn't you... Ask You know, me. I mean, like, I have, like, body um, issues, like, where I'm like, oh, I don't like the way I look. Mm. I don't think it'll ever cripple me to the point where I can't... Where I don't want to go outside. Like, I don't want to take my top off, but if Adam's like... We're going to the beach, and he takes his top off. I'll take my top off then. I'm never like, I, I just sort of, I don't it's really. It's never quite crippling enough. Yeah, maybe I don't care enough. I don't know if it's lack of care. I don't know what it is really. It's quite hard for me but to. Is that, that's, it's like a not feeling it. I don't, yeah, I don't think and I feel. I, I, I think what, what I find dif- difficult is get on with it. Mm. Um, but I find myself like an emotion that I had when I was a child, if I went for like, a walk in like the woods or mm. like a walk in like a field when I was younger I used to really feel it whereas now if I do that what did you feel? I don't know it was just Cold. sort of like a or are you, are you saying you, you could, feel it now like you think back and you think you felt it or do no, you genuinely remember not, the feeling? It's, yeah it's not the same feeling that I had you feel number. yeah the joy that I had then I'm like I don't have that so no. I think that that explains a lot of my symptoms the first thing I think I th- felt when I started that was I'd forgotten how to enjoy the little things I didn't get any joy out of the small things like mm. and you, you like, need to you need you need little moments like uh, know, just for the podcast Steve is pointing at his penis when I said <laughs> I little yours, things but <laughs> my penis is over here mate and it's two hands pointed at your penis I should have pointed down towards your crotch yes, I'm so sorry yeah. I use two hands to masturbate I wish not to wear <laughs> less tight whose <laughs> hands they are changes on a we daily basis yeah, we, yeah. but like but that, so that, that was very rating yeah <laughs> yes there's a line that's getting cut um so remember when the thing you reminded me of something I'm going to say it's really embarrassing I remember being so excited for stuff to come out as a kid like midnight release of games oh, yeah. oh, you should go to them I used to love them I used to love them I, 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 worked, I worked loads of them at Tesco do, oh, yeah, we did yeah. FIFA tournaments in a uh, game in Carmarthen so we'd go there like 10 o'clock at night they'd do a whole FIFA tournament if you won the FIFA tournament you'd get it for free <laughs> and so you'd be there until like, and then you dart back as quick as you could, mm. and then you'd just be on just, FIFA. Oh, Remember those days? The, but McDonald's as well. And I'm using that at other takeaways. I used to, this used to be such a treat. Mm. Like without for you today, just for context, Chaz and Adam had a McDonald's before we got here. I did. Did you like? Were you like? I am buzzing for this. I'm so excited. Yeah. No, you. No. you have that's to, the thing. I like. Don't you, you have McDonald's on a Saturday that. afternoon yeah. after football or rugby? It was the like. I used to get so much joy. From that crap little toy that came in that box, I probably shouldn't have because I was twenty three. But there's, <laughs> it's not the point. But I remember making a song up about the Age of Mythology expansion pack. It wasn't even a full release game, and I know I'm not going to sing it. Um, I just sure. I don't Age of Mythology, the Titans expansion pack, expansion pack. That's it. That's going to be our advert. <laughs> it's, I love how you went. Don't make me. And then you do it. <laughs> I just lit you straight into it. But like, with regards purposes. to uh, like McDonald's and stuff, you have to understand. For me and you, it was a lot different for us to have something like that because the closest one was twenty three miles away, where we would actually get that. Whereas yeah, these guys would have had McDonald's just from the corner. There's, probably, there's, like, there's fight in I, the region. I did also. I, I eat a lot of Shit. fast food, and so it doesn't really. But excite just... me that much but I know probably when I was younger and had my my mum and dad had to buy my food 
I was. I was more excited. So a bit like Saturday, you were so excited because it was a free meal. That was the judge's order, wasn't it? Mr. and Mrs. Benwell, you do have to buy him food. You have to feed your child. You have to feed your child. Not just Stephen. Adam needs food as well. There's always feet had it, it's never been Stephen. I don't know. I just don't feel like I get that buzzing from no, me anymore. Like, what about Wales International? A new pair of Nike Air Forces. So, I don't no. care for clothes. I, don't, no, I, I haven't we're bought asking, anything. We're asking Lloyd here because Lloyd and I have a little fantasy about Nike. They do bring you some joy. You do get, but it's not. It's it's joy and there's excitement. I don't feel I get excited for things. What about if Wales won the World Cup in anything? Again, there's kind of a different. I used to be like the Wales. Like the WRE website used to be my home page on my laptop. I used to, <laughs> I used to be so excited for Wales to play rugby, like so excited, I plan it all out. And now I'm so it's kind of reversed the other way. I'm so critical of the Welsh team, as Ches will tell you, that I I I, I don't get that excited anymore. Mm. Like it's interesting. It's almost like will them to fail because I've been so critical. I, I don't know. It's. As I say, it's really difficult for me to get my head around because I'm currently trying to get my head around it on a daily mm. basis. So, How can men identify when it's time to seek professional help? Seeking professional is a tricky one. For me, that's a really hard one to actually answer because I've never been in that sort of position. Um, but like, Rob, your story earlier... Why didn't you, after being for so long, and you said you hadn't actually recognised it mm. yet, why did you not get to the point where you... was it? Did you need someone else to maybe point it out, like the Tash would uh, do with you? Yeah, or? I think I think that probably would have helped. Um, but then there wasn't anyone necessarily here to see it. The only Just person Martin. that would have seen it would be Martin. Mm. Um, and he had a, a lot of his own yeah. stuff to deal with at the same time, personal issues and things. So I think, yeah, definitely you need your friends to maybe suggest, not make you, but suggest if you, you should if go you, and look if they're asking you quite often like how are you feeling or if someone i guess has noticed a change in mm. your what's the word character because mm. a bit like you i would have gone mm. either either put myself in a denial phase and say it wasn't happening at all or not have the get up and go to actually then go and do it like even i've booked the appointment to then just roll my ass out of bed and go mm. would have been really hard and that's why i benefited a lot from that because they were phone call sort of appointments and diagnoses-ish. Use that term very loosely because it wasn't a medical diagnosis, it was just for work. But that's why I valued the phone call. But there is an app that's been advertised on lots of podcasts and YouTube channels recently. Their whole aim is to provide therapy to you quickly via an app. So you download the app and then you, I don't quite know how it works because I haven't actually explored it, but the idea is you can then go onto it and you can have like a 20 minute therapy session I take it with session. a therapist yeah with, with yeah. trained therapists and they will try and match you up with a therapist that has dealt with people who have had similar things before rather than just giving you a random therapist and they try and match up with the right one so it's cool is it better help yeah better help yeah yeah, yeah so it's called better help so, and then it goes back to the thing you can do it in your own time from your own yeah, home yeah. and you don't actually mm-hmm. like if, if they just said like maybe they give you some advice or they say to keep an eye on it you can then you know you don't have to tell everyone else it doesn't have to become a big thing where you know like yeah. if, if I was going to go to therapy I think I would tell someone like, mm. oh, by the way I'm, I'm having this but if you did it at home on your own you could just sort of be like well you know, I've done that now yeah, yeah it is yeah and then you know if it comes out that you need more then you you know you've already mm. gone past that sort of bridge it's quite a, that's like, that's, that's like a good mm. it's really interesting what advice could we give friends and family members who want to support uh the first thing I'd always say is you're never alone people who may think they are they never are other people in the world more than likely people you know will have either felt or are feeling the same as you. Um, and it's really hard for people to know that and appreciate that, but it, it is the case. What barriers prevent men from seeking professional help for mental health issues? And how can we overcome these barriers? Keep that barrier down, walk on through it, with a smile on your face and a spring in your step. Wow. I think Steve just fixed mental health. Yeah, that was wow. absolutely lyrical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is how I would um, sort of approach things: is mentally battle it myself. Yeah, and 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 it hasn't, and it's it's not advice in any way, shape, or form. But that's what works for me, and I, like having time to myself works for me. Like me and Adam had this conversation earlier. He was like, "All oh, he hugged me and he was like, oh, 
Do you like it when I hug you? <laughs> Don't make me sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's like that. He's a very affectionate and he feels emotions a lot. You can tell like sometimes your eyes water when you talk about certain things. <laughs> And, oh, would you like it uh, when I hug you? This <laughs> pussy just fucking <laughs> No, but, yeah, you are a melt, but, like, you I'll talk... I'll weigh you in. Yeah, that's fair. Um... <laughs> no, but you, you gave me a hug, and, like, I said, like, he was, oh, do you not like it? And, and I think you go... <laughs> I, said, I said, not when you do it like that. Um... <laughs> Stop cupping my balls. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a hug, that's... Um... Squeeze. That's too much fun. Yeah. Um, also, Adam, I'm trying to shower. <laughs> <laughs> Before I lock the door. Yeah. <laughs> he, does have the, away. he does have the skeleton key, yeah. Um, no, but there, there, wasn't, there was an occasion the where... The opened. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> Just falls on me. <laughs> hey, Stephen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> God, that went off feast. No, but I was just going to say that um, for me, I just, I just want to be alone. I don't mm. want anyone to come near me or touch me. I just want to... Yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like... I've done it before, but I'm sorry. Like, but I didn't want... At, at that moment in time, mm. I had to be alone. And that's and then I get I get through it. I don't want Adam trying to give me a hug every second. Yeah. Because um, he's not a great hugger in general. Yeah, um, and he smells a bit. He does smell. And that's, that's the problem. That's, that's poor. <laughs> I'm a great hugger. Yeah, you do smell. Though. Yeah, you're a good. good I do smell. Yeah, I like. A good but he's a great hugger. Post football hugs, not my favourite. Yeah. I love a post football but hug. Pre football, pre football hug. Yeah. That's my favourite. No, I'm gonna fuck you all. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the hug on arrival. No, okay. I really enjoy those. It's just. Yeah, I'm, forget it, mate. You can have a handshake now. <laughs> <laughs> been, um, been, can I just say I've said nothing? Do I yeah, I said like it, and you spot it everybody. Now. I'm not going to lie to you, Lloyd. I'm a bit salty at the moment. At this moment in time. You're on the list too. So what steps can be taken to encourage just everyone really to have a more open conversation about their own mental health? I would listen to this podcast. It's not a it's it's, it's it's not there's no easy I've answer. I've listened to the this podcast. They are. I would subscribe for £4.99 a month. <laughs> <laughs> there's no easy answer to that question because you need to it overnight. It's just, you've just got to persist. And there's just got to be more more awareness out there that it's just talk. I think I think we've come a long way in the last ten years. Oh, we've got a hell of a long way still to go. I, th- I mean, really do it. I would say probably people in their twenties now are the most likely to talk about their anxieties or stresses or depressions. Yeah. But we have got a long way to go. I don't think there's like you said, there's not an overnight fix. It's continuing to do what we've been doing well over the last ten years, but more, but also and better. So I know, Adam, you wanted to talk about social media and how that's perceived with anxiety and depression. Yeah, so I think uh, it's quite important at the moment, this day and age, to sort of recognise that social media isn't always good. Quite often, anxiety, depression can come off the back of that. You see someone doing great on Instagram, Mm -hmm. uh, living their best life. You start thinking, oh, we're the same age. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I should be doing that I should be feeling this way these people are putting up pictures that they want everyone to see and I think it's hung up yeah Yeah. uh, hung up on the fact that uh, I I know obviously from when I've been acting if I see other people who my age that I've worked with some of them might be doing a film and I start to think oh I'm really jealous of that um I really wish I could do that maybe I, I should be sort of there but then I think well maybe I haven't actually seen them post very much in six months uh, and in reality they could have just been sat at home for six months not having anything and now mm. they're showing their their um their break do you know what i mean i think it's social media is fantastic um to chat to people to other side of to it that anyone can talk to you anyone can put you down if it gets too much sometimes i'll just delete my apps for a bit just go quiet for a bit it really does help me sometimes i just go off my phone for a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think if, if there's anything that is worrying you about social media, then sometimes just take a step back and delete the apps. Um, and yeah, I, I like to think you'd feel better for it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things I think <clears throat> time away from your phone is really important, really, really important. Because it might not even be you know unaspirational or comparison with your friends. It can be anything on your phone. It could be toxic if you get it in the wrong way or you see too much of it. Yeah. 
and that, me and you were talking about playing golf yes, haven't we, Lloyd? And one of the reasons I absolutely love playing golf is my phone gets in my bag and I go out and I get some fresh air and I see my friends and I play golf for three, four hours in hopefully some sunshine and have a nice round of golf. And you forget all about your phone. I don't pick it up once, really, when I'm playing for those four hours, you know, and it's you come back and you think, oh, what was I even fussing about or worried about? Yeah, you're in a world where you're in a whole different it doesn't, world. It really has no nothing matters. Or, absolutely, and it's such it's such a nice feeling just to be yeah. out so unattached. It is interesting how like behaviors that what's the word reinforce depression are the behaviors that you do when you're depressed, like going on your phone, scrolling through things. I, that does not help my depression at all. But it's what I do because I haven't got the strength to do anything else. And my phone got stolen. I remember I was forced to bring a book. Forced. By to, to go on the train because I wanted something to do for twenty minutes on the train. So nice, great. Mm. We have we have ten minutes in our day, our school day, oh. which is called uh, drop everything and read. And we yes. don't teach any lessons. Was... There's no walk around the school. Everyone just everyone gets a book out. Just... Teachers, kids, all staff. It's great. Just so it was just just a revelation. Like, mm. and then as soon as my phone got back, I went I went back on it. I love reading my book uh, on the way to work and on the way back from it. Just, like, that is my time to escape. Dangerous. Get ready for a pulse-pounding journey into the heart of mystery with Alan Burroughs' latest addition to the Ironheart series, Rain God. Join tech hunter India Bentley and her salvaged military android on a spine-tingling adventure in the jungle metropolis of Sing City. As they seek buyers for rare old world tech, India is propelled deeper into the jungle chasing the guidance of a blind prophet obsessed with ancient secrets. But nature itself seems to rebel against them, throwing freak weather and danger at every turn. What lurks within the depths of the jungle, causing these strange electrical disturbances? Mysterious tribes, a mythical lord of rain, and unanswered questions await as India plunges further into the unknown. The truth she uncovers might hold the key to humanity's survival, or its ultimate downfall. Prepare for a thrilling ride through a world where danger lurks at every corner. Rain God is a heart-stopping action thriller that will grip you from page one to the unforgettable climax. For fans of The Last of Us, Lara Croft and Mad Max, Rain God is a must Dive into this gripping tale where every page brings a new revelation and every chapter propels you deeper into a story world you will never forget. Don't miss out. Grab your copy of Rain God Now, available at all major bookstores and online retailers. Join India Bentley on her epic quest and brace yourself for a journey that will leave you One thing that I really like is, you know, when you break down uh, or no, in a car. Oh, so, right. When you're driving, like you blow a tyre, like uh, me and uh, Chloe did this the other a couple of weeks ago. We were driving back from Fort Park. The tyre blew. And so we had to pull over on the side of the M25. And I always find I quite enjoy that time where you're just sitting and waiting. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. You have to just sit and wait for that recovery van. You've got no choice in the market. You've got no choice. And it just takes all control out of your hands and you just sit there and just chat to whoever you're with. That is really interesting, actually. Yeah. I've, never, I've never thought of that, and I think, to be honest. Like, and, and that's where I always think all the worries that you have, fate or whatever, your car breaks down. That worry that you had don't even matter anymore. Nothing you do you're about sat, it. You're yeah. sat here for the next three hours while you're waiting. And I think that's something quite... Nice about that. Yeah, yeah, like peaceful with... As long as you're with somebody, sort of you don't be sat on your own. Yeah, but even then, like... I think phones as well. The other thing about phones too, about social media is you're contactable all the time. Yeah. Like every single person is... Look, look, during this podcast, we've all... People have been trying to get hold of us and you're expected to be on call, for yeah. a better word, all the time. And I think that's quite damaging to sort of, that you can never truly be left alone as long as you got your mm. phone on you. And when my phone got nicked, one of the really nice things was, was like, people used to come up to me like daily. I've tried, I texted you, I've called you, you haven't answered. And I used to say, oh yeah, my phone got stolen. And like, that was a genuine excuse. Yeah. Whereas 
they were so horrible about like me not having, you know, you haven't answered my text. Just that pressure is on us all the time to mm. always be available and always be replying. So as a final recap of uh, what we've spoken about today is that everyone's open to anxiety and depression and, and we all deal with it in different ways. Um, and the best way to, talk, to deal with it is to seek help. And if you do want to seek help, you can look in the show notes below or just reach out to a loved one. And this is usually the part of the show where we talk about the Old Bazonians football team. But no fixture this weekend, so we're going to move straight over to Rob Benson. Uh, yeah, just a final note on the pod this week is it is Grief Awareness Week, running from the 2nd to the 8th. We would normally do a cheers, but that feels a little inappropriate, so we'll just say, seek it out, have it a look online. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Not So All Boys podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media for updates and content. You can find us on Instagram at Not So Old Boys. And finally, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message. We love hearing from you.